We're going to learn together the Gemara about Rav Shem Bar Yechai. And we're going to at least start the Gemara today. It's on Lamed Gimel Lamed Beis. Very not surprisingly, it's on Lamed Gimel Lamed Beis, the story of Rav Shem Bar Yechai. We've already discussed that his, his, his yard site is either on Lag Ba'imer. For sure he started learning with his Rebbe Abikiv on Lag Ba'imer. And on the Aflag, Amud Beis and Shabbos is the blot that it speaks about Roshim Bar Yechai, about this famous story. Let's learn the story together. And the story goes as follows. The Yasvi Reb Yehuda, they were sitting, Reb Yehuda, Reb Yaisi, and Reb Shemin. These three Heilagatanayim, Reb Yehuda, Meir, Reb Yehuda, Reb Yaisi and Reb Shimon were sitting. The Yasef Yehuda ben Geirim Gabayu, and Yehuda ben Geirim was sitting by them. Now Shalom automatically, when the Gemara speaks this way, it says sitting three people them. were sitting there, and one was sitting by them. I'm very visual. I'm like trying to picture it. I had a re- I had a teacher Chaim. This is kids should not be cruel to teachers. And it's not a great story when kids are cruel to teachers. I had a teacher who had a habit. People, this happens to people. We, people develop habits. They say certain words repeatedly. I don't even know why it happens. And it sometimes doesn't make sense. People have habits. You're, I'm sure you've heard that somebody just says a word and they say it a lot. This teacher we had said the word sitting there. It's like a funny thing to say sitting there in the middle of a conversation. You're talking sitting there. Somehow the word sitting there got into his vocabulary and he would constantly say it sitting there. It, I, it's like it defies logic. I can't explain it to you. And the class would count how many times he said it. When he broke his record, they would erupt into like cheering. And it, it wasn't, that's not kind. But he had this habit to say sitting there. So when I'm talking about this word, that they're sitting there, yes, and I'm thinking about him. But let's move on to what it says here. The Gemara says that three Tanoim are sitting. Yasvi, Reb Yehuda, Reb Yaisi, Reb Shimon. And Reb Yehuda ben Geirim is sitting by them. What does that mean, Yehuda ben Geirim is sitting by them? They're sitting, he's sitting by them. What does that mean? So you have the two rabbanim <coughs> having a conversation, and I'm not a part of that. I'm just walking next to the two. So, so is it describing Mayor? Is the Gemara describing how they were sitting? It says three people sitting. No, I'm here. The Gemara says Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yaisi, Rabbi Shimon were sitting there, and Rabbi Yehuda ben Geirim was sitting by them. So you're picturing like three people on one side of the table and he's on the other. So they're sitting, he's sitting by them. Are they on higher chairs? So it might be they were sitting, they're like by a table and he's like sitting, he's sitting on the outskirts. Is the Gemara describing a certain picture? It's very plausible, Yehuda, that they were all sitting all four together, but it's inappropriate. Because he was lower Madrega, it's not an appropriate way of talking to say the four of us were sitting. 
if, if, if somebody's sitting, I was once in the sukkah with Rebel Yashiv. I was once in the sukkah with Reb Chaim Brim, Rebel Yashiv's son, who's Reb Chaim Brim's son in law. So it's Reb Chaim Brim, Rebel Yashiv's son, and myself and Rebbe Tzvi Feiler were sitting by them. It might be inappropriate to describe the scene. Rebel Yashiv sitting there, Reb Chaim Brim. You say it, we were sitting by them. At the table, it looked, no. At the table, it looked all four were sitting equal. When the Gemara says we in game, we're sitting by them. Just let it be done, I'm holding back. If recording, I'm holding back, all right? For all you out there. You know what I mean, Rebezi? So could be. I know what you mean. It could be, it says we in game, we're sitting by them. Is trying to. It's not about how they were sitting. The point is that it's not covered, Mayor, to say the four were sitting there. So the Gemara is so careful how it speaks. The Gemara doesn't want to say Rabbi Yudah ben Geir and Rabbi Yudah were sitting together. It's not the way you talk. Rabbi Yudah was sitting. Rabbi Yudah ben Geir was there. It's an eifin of covered marking the three who were bigger. That's very, very possible. It's amazing if that's true, Shalom, how careful you have to be, how you express something. Three G'daylum were sitting. G'daylum was sitting by them. Just in an eifin of covet because he's not an equal. The bottom line is, is that these four people were together, the three bigger ones, and G'daylum. And they have a discussion. Pasach Reb Yehuda starts the discussion and he says as follows. He says, you know, the Romans, I'm very impressed. I'm very impressed with them. They make marketplaces. You see the marketplaces they built. They make such nice bridges. Incredible country. They make bridges. You see the bridges, the edifices, these bridges, incredible. And they make great bathhouses. And he says, it's impressive. That's what Buda says. Rabbi Yaisi Shasak, Rabbi Yaisi is quiet. Silence. It's very unclear. Shtika, there are two ways to understand Shtika Chevra. One is Shtika Kaida, if you're quiet, you're admitting. What's another type of Shtika? The Gemara says, holding back, I'm not paying attention. I'm not commenting on this. Holding back. The Gemara says you could be silent as a way of showing you're admitting to something, or you could be silent as a way of saying, I'm not getting involved. Okay, I'm out. I'm not paying attention to you. Rabbi Yaisi Shasak, he's quiet. Nan Rabbi Shem Bar Yechai. Rabbi Shem Bar Yechai is not having it. And Rabbi Shem Bar Yechai says to Rabbi Yehuda, Va'amar, he says to Rabbi Yehuda, Whatever they did, they did selfishly. They didn't do it for us. You're praising their deeds. They didn't do it for us. You're saying, They did such good deeds. They did good. They made marketplaces. They made bridges. They made bathhouses. They did good things. Let's, let's say real. Rav Shembar Yechai says, Knock it off. Don't tell me they did good things. They did it selfishly. Now it's interesting. Listen to what he says. They made marketplaces. They did that just to put a zaina. People who are doing illicit actions. They only made marketplaces for znus. They did it to make hangouts, to do averis. 
you know, malls. They wanted inappropriate things going on there. They wanted them gatherings of pretzels. That's why they did it. Merzois, bathhouses, la'adin bem atzman. To just be idun, to have extra taiva, extra hana. Gisharim bridges, little me'amechis, just to take taxes from us. This is what Rav Shemar Yechai said. I have the following kasha. When he says they made shukim for themselves, why doesn't he say? Because they wanted commerce. They didn't do it l'shem shemayim. They did it for, he says, for znus. Why didn't, when he said bathhouses, they did it for themselves, why does he need idun, extra pleasures, he should have said to wash up for themselves. They did it selfishly. And I want to make a claim, Chaim, that if somebody does something for you, you don't start, start subscribing reasons and say you don't know gratitude. It's still good what they did. If somebody does good for you, my father taught, taught this to me as a youngster, that if somebody does good for you, you're full of gratitude. You don't, we're not, we don't play God to start analyzing why they did it. They gave good to you, Akara Satoiv. It's appreciated, you did good things. So what did Rav Shem Bar Yechai say? Perhaps Rav Shem Bar Yechai is not just saying that they didn't do it L'Shem Shemaim. It still would be good deeds. He said they did it for sinister reasons. If somebody's trying to hurt you, then you don't know gratitude. If somebody's trying to help you, or at least did something good for you and had ulterior motives, you owe gratitude. That's a very good question. There, it's, that's strange. L'chayri, he did it for ulterior motives. I don't know the answer. But if a guy does it for sinister reasons, then there's no gratitude. If a guy did it for just his own selfishness, so I don't know if Rabbi Shimbar Yechai is saying they just did it for themselves, even though he starts out with Tzarech Atzman, but then he explains the examples of Tzarech Atzman are bad things, are sinister. Even La'aden, according to this, means a certain type of pleasure is the inappropriate things they wanted. The meches, he means inappropriate taxes. They had sinister things in mind with their bad things. So then you can't say how good are their deeds. It was sinister. They can't take taxes. I don't think he just means taxes to uphold the bridge. What's the problem? If the point of the tax, if the meches is, so he means meches, he means that they're robbing people cold. He doesn't mean a tax that's like, just then what would be the problem? He means they did it to, to rob us clean. Don't be so grateful because they did it. They wanted taxes. That's what it is. I don't know if you say that. I don't I'm know. It, but I'm reading it, but Rebbe, but, but Rebbe, but I'm, I'm not sure. Meches could taxes could mean one of two ways. If it's a tax, that's just to uphold. So it, doesn't, it sounds funny. They did it to, to take a tax. It's normal to take a tax. It costs money to build bridges. Aha. He means a tax is to rob our money. He doesn't mean a tax that assists in the. He means they did it to take our hard-earned no, money. You know, Shmuel would have no reason to say. Oh, they all did it because they wanted money. They need to make a bridge. They made a bridge. That's fair. They need a paving. My raya, he doesn't mean that. My raya doesn't mean that. Is he should have said they need the bridge to cross. They just did it for themselves to get to the other side. They don't want to help us. 
why do you say to, to get if taxes is mutter? So why do you say they did the bridge for taxes? Say they did the bridge because they because they like they didn't do it for me. Like he started, even Marchzois, bathhouses, why do you say La'adin, say to wash up for themselves? He doesn't just mean Lutzarich Atzman, he means Lutzarich Atzman, bad Srachim, things that are illicit. So the bottom line is, Nayam, that Rushir Bayechai ends up knocking the government. So let's, let's keep score here. Rabbi Yehuda praises the Romans, Shalom. He says they're impressive. They did good deeds. Rabbi Yaisi is silent. Rabbi Shirba Yechai is not having it. He said they did it with illicit intentions in mind. Stop praising their deeds. That's a good question. Very, very good question. Very good question. It's a very strong question. Are you allowed to praise it, buddy? That's a good question. That's a very... That sugya is a sugya that needs to be studied. Are they over there? Is it apply to any guy? What you're allowed to say? It's a very good question. Rav Shem Bar Yechai comes and he disagrees. And he says they did it with Tzarech Atzman. I'm claiming that if a person does good for you, you have gratitude and you appreciate. If they did it sinister, there's no appreciation. Rav Shem Yechai knocks. What they've done is Tzarech Atzman. Comes the government, says the Gemara, Halach Yehuda ben Gerim, Yehuda ben Gerim who was sitting there. Now, it is interesting, he did not comment. So he said that Lush and he's sitting by them. It was, he was listening in, he did not comment. But he went the Seeper Devreim, he said over the conversation. Why did he do that? Not every conversation is meant to be told over, and he told it over. The Nishmulamalchus, eventually the government heard it, Chaim. Amru and the government got very, very upset, and they said as follows Yehuda She'ila, Yehuda that praised us, Yis'ala will be elevated. We're going to give Yehudu praise the government, the Romans, so they are going to get, and he's going to get elevated. He became the Reish HaMedabram. Whenever there was a Jewish gathering, the government made sure that Yehuda got to get, speak first. That's why he's called in Shas, the Reish HaMedabram B'cholmakim. He was the main speaker. He became the spokesperson for, for, Judy, for, Jew, for Jewry. And he did it. The government gave him the shtela. They gave him the position because he praised the government. Yaisi Shashasak. Yaisi was quiet. Yigla Litsipairi goes to Gullus. It's fascinating to me they got upset at him for being quiet. It's funny, it doesn't say he was quiet after Abshir Bayuchai. If he was quiet after, so he didn't defend us. He was quiet, it says it says he was quiet after it quotes Rabbi Huda. Rabbi Huda praised. Rabbi Yaisi was quiet, but they said he goes to Gullus. He should have second. He should have said, bravo, I agree, the government's amazing. Shimon Shagina, Shimon that put us down, Yaharag, we're killing him. They, they, they made a death sentence against him. I'm always very moved. I have a picture of my study. That's one of my favorite pictures in the world. I want to tell you about this picture. It always fascinates me. Three Rabbanim are talking, and one rub knocks the government. He says, ah! They did this stuff for their own purposes, and the government says he's high of Misa. Are they so insecure? Say the Rav, like he said, you did it for ulterior motives. High of Misa. One of my favorite pictures in the world, Momo. I have it in my study. It's something that I've had for years in my study. 
it's it's a picture that I love. Listen, Yisrael Azuri, listen to this picture. Naam Chai, listen to this picture. Does anybody here remember Tiananmen Square? Tiananmen Square, thank you, Avesi. What? In the last 50 years of the world, this is one of the most epic photos. I advise you, I'm going to ask guys to look at their phones in a minute. In Tiananmen Square, the Chinese government, who are very, very fascinating, their policies are fascinating. China's a fascinating, interested place that do not get involved in world affairs very much. And China... There were people, there were, there were a bunch of students protesting Chinese policies, the government's policies. And the government lined up a whole bunch of Soviet tanks and they actually murdered some of these college students. And one of the most epic pictures in the last 50 years of the world is a whole bunch of Russian MiGs, these giant Russian tanks are lined up and they're faced on a few college students like these a couple of guys who are like marching against China and you have arm these huge tanks coming at them and it's meant as a picture of the ultimate underdog and the, the you know the heavyweight against the underdog the epic it's like the ultimate David Amelech against Goliath the picture of the bully against the bullied and you have these Russian MiGs that the Chinese government, they're marching and they're pointing. It's, it's like bizarre. On the other side is a few little kids, like smiley teenagers, not smiling anymore, who are like just having fun. They're wild college kids and they're protesting. The reason it's one of my favorite pictures in the world, Noam, before I say why it's one of my favorite pictures, I want guys to look at it. Because guys get on their phone, look at Momo. Ah, oh, exactly. <laughs> Can you pass, you pass that here? That's exact. This is it. This is it. These are the Russian MiGs. Is it? There's a Chinese kid. This is like this college kid protesting. They were literally a couple of kids. They killed them. They killed some kids. Isn't that interesting? Noam, I want you to see the picture. You have the picture? Yeah. <laughs> and you see the little kid there, like he's like a. <laughs> Noam, you seen this picture? Check it out, Tiananmen Square. What should he look under, Momo? What do you look at? Tiananmen Square. Maybe we should cut this out. What? Maybe we should cut this out. Why? Yeah, this is it. There's exactly there's a there's a these are these tanks march against these like students. They killed some. They killed some. Yeah, yeah. Shalom, put it on the shoe. You put on the water break chat. Check on the what Maish. Why do I love? The, why am I so enthralled with this picture? Because, Ben, you hear this picture? Um, you've seen it? If you look at the Waterbury chat, you can see it. It's on the Waterbury chat. Yaakov Khan, why, am I, why is this picture so epic? It's epic to me because there's a truth that you have to know that that kid is a threat. There's a line in the Torah, Life and death in the hand of the mouth. It is enough. It is. It is. That is not a fair battle. You know who's much stronger? The kids. 
It's just the truth. Anybody who knows how the world works, it's the truth of the world, the power of the mouth. A group of teenagers get up and say the government's wrong. I promise they're dangerous. Because that's how revolutions are created with people's deeper, with people's mouths. Standing up for what's right, brute force doesn't conquer that, doesn't beat that. And every government who's trying to control with brute force is aware of the power of sincerity. The reason I have that picture in my study is to always remember the power of speech. It's no mismatch. It's no mismatch, Noam. It's just, it is a mismatch. The mismatch of the kid is much stronger. All those guns, all the machine guns in the world and the tanks in the world won't stop a person who's saying what's true. And this Gemara, where Reb Shirba Yechai knocks the government and they say it's Chayiv Misa, they're taking all the Roman tanks and marching it at one Rav who said that they're, they're doing it for bad reasons. It's not, a, it's not a mismatch and the government's fully aware of how dangerous somebody's speaking the truth. And the truth is very, very powerful. So I always see that picture as not a mismatch, but as the understanding of how powerful a few teenagers, the Chinese government, you're rich, you control the country, but a few teens are saying against them, "Uh uh-oh, they roll out the army, because they know how powerful it is. So Rav Shimba Yechai comes and he knocks the government. Someone on this recording to be Mao Shin Rebbe, right? Someone who built China. Yeah, says against the government and the government says Shimon Shagina Shimon Unaktas Yaharag he's gonna get killed. Shalom you hear why I like the picture a lot? To the world, to many people, the picture of these tanks coming on the teenagers is like a mismatch. Ridiculous. They killed some of them. Did they think they would get killed? Probably. In China? But, but it looks like a mismatch. You take all these tanks, is this even fair? And the answer is it is a mismatch. The, the voice is much more powerful. That's why they're coming with the army, because they're aware of how powerful even a youngster... So I like the visual of a whole army coming as a few teens, because it's powerful that a few teens stood up and said the truth. When we're reading this Gemara Shabbos, if Shembar Yechai says the truth, and the government gets together and makes Xera to kill him, is because a man speaking up and saying the truth is massively powerful and dangerous for a country that's promoting lies. And so they make Xera, we got to kill Rav Shemba Yechai, he's dangerous, he's saying the truth. Azal Hubrei says the Gemara in Shabbos, Rav Shemba Yechai and his son went, Tashu Bey Midrash, and they hid in the base Midrash. They were hiding in the base Medrash. That's where Shem ben Yechai and his son went. Every single day his wife would bring him ripsa, some bread, and a measurement of water. His wife would bring him water and bread every day. And carobs. She'd bring him carobs, a measurement of water, and bread. When the gzeira got heavier, all of a sudden, the Romans were buckling down and really looking to catch of Shemba Yechai. Originally, he, held, he hid in the base Medrash. But then the Xerah got much more extreme. Amalei Lebrei. 
Reb Shirbar Yechai says to his son, Nashim Daitan Kalalayim. The ladies, their das is not the strongest. It's Kalalayim. I'm going to explain it. Dilma Mitsarila. They might cause the, the ladies sar, they might torture the wives. Umigalalan, and they'll reveal where we're hiding. Now, what does it mean, ladies' das is cow? What does that mean, ladies' das is cow? Are, is a, why is a lady more likely to admit where we're hiding? I'll tell you what I think it means. Ladies are not less smart than men. It says ladies have a bina yesera. That's not, it doesn't even say there's other ways of saying they're not as smart. It says, ladies, daitam kalalayim. So they said we better hide in a place, even our wives, if they torture our wives, they'll reveal it. I think the pshat is, Hashem built men, we have one focus on our mind. I can't do two things at once. If I'm holding my child, I can't talk on the phone. If I'm talking on the phone, I can't my child. My kids call me out from Eretz Yisrael if I'm not focused. Because I'm doing something else. I can't do two things at once. If I'm on the phone, it's only the phone. If I'm, talk, if I'm talking to a guy, 16 people are waiting, they don't exist, I'm talking to the guy. I don't do two things well at once. I just can't. And my wife can effectively do many things at once. Really, really well. She can do many things. She's cooking. She's doing the homework with my daughter, doing the homework with my son, talking on the phone. Four things easily, doing all effectively. Hashem designed ladies to multitask better than men. I suspect, I suspect a man would have on his mind, I'm not revealing something, you could torture the brains out, he has a singular focus. A lady's das is built to care about many things. She cares about her husband, but all of a sudden she's being tortured and threatened, will hurt one of the other kids, we're going to kill the whole community, and she's able to balance different thoughts, she might say where he's hidden. She might be so tortured and make cheshbainis to say where he's hidden. That might be what it means, daitim kalalim, that they're not singular focus on one thing. That they're able to focus on different things. I think they could be tortured and, and convinced to tell when a man has, I'm not telling, I'm not telling, a certain tenacity and a singular focus. A lady is more, I wonder, I wonder if it's connected to that, I don't know. Lemaisa, Azlu they went. Rav Shirbar Yechai and his son went. Tashu b'marata, and they ran to a cave. They before were hiding in the base medrash. The gzera got much worse. They ran to a cave. The Romans were coming. They were buckling down. I told you in the. I would explain the song that we sing the Bar Yechai song. And it says over there, Bar Yechai, my shavta, you dwelled in a good place. Yoim Nasta, the way you ran, the day you ran away, Yoim Hashabarach, the day you ran away, that's repetitious. The word to be Nas is to run away, there's something dangerous, but nobody's chasing you. Somebody's Nas, it's dangerous somewhere, so he runs, there's nobody chasing, it's just dangerous there. Barach is to run away from somebody chasing you. So it says, Yoim Nasta, Yoim Hashabarach, that describes the two runnings they did. At first, it was dangerous for Shem Yechai. Nobody was chasing him. They made Xerah, they'll kill him. So he ran, he has Xerah in his head. It got tighter, he was Yoim Asher Barachta. He was running away. They were Mamish on his tail. So that's Yoim Nasta, Yoim Asher Barachta. More specifically, you were Barach. 
That's what it describes. That's when he went to the to the cave. So it started in middle of a process of being nus, of running. He was barach. So Israchish Nisa, Rav Shirin and his son are sitting in a cave, and Hashem made an ace. Ivri Lucharuva, Hashem made a carob tree. Ve'ena Demaya and a Mayan. Hashem made a well, a well appear there and they would eat and drink this way while they're in the cave of Shemba and Yechai and his son they would eat and drink they took off their clothing they were sitting until their necks in the sand the whole day they would learn Torah they would study Torah the whole day sitting in sand till their neck while they would daven, love she, michsu, umatsli, they'd wear their clothing and they would pray. And then after prayer, they would take off their garments, in order that it shouldn't get ruined, their garment. So they sat all day in sand, unclothed, they only had the clothing on their back. They wanted to save it fresh. Fascinating question. Mo says, why didn't they have the respect for limit Torah? Which is more hush of limit Torah or prayer? Ask Mo Muller Abam Kasha. While they're learning, they're learning, they're in sand. You're allowed to learn that way because it's not Liban Royas Erva because they're sitting in sand. For davening, they wore clothing. Why not for learning? The sand, the sand would cap. So the sand would separate between the upper body and lower. For davening, they wore clothing. So it could be, so could be, Ruvain says, they had a stand for davening. So standing, they couldn't stand up to their necks in sand. That's a nice answer. For prayer, for prayer, for davening, for learning, they were sitting. So they sat, they had an etzah. For prayer, where you have to stand... Interesting, Teretz. Somebody, a group of Hasidim asked Reb Nachum, Hasidim, when they learn, they wear hats and jackets. Hasidim asked Reb Nachum, the great mirror Rosh Hashiva, Goyen B'Torah, that Reb Nachum, when he learned Torah, he just sat like this, he didn't have his hat and jacket. He, even in heat waves, I heard from Talmidim, is he'd roll up his pants over his knees. He would like, he was getting comfortable when he learned Torah. So his pants could be rolled up. I had a chavrusa. My wife was. I had a chavrusa. The first shana rishayna, so I wanted to be home at night. So chavrusa came to the house, and my chavrusa was a schwitzer in learning. <coughs> he was a guy. He's he's a talmud chacham. He learns till today. He wrote. I just saw him over Pesach. Came to the hotel. He's written svarim at talmud chacham. He's besides being a smart guy, he's one of the hardest workers in learning I ever met. He's a guy who grinds it out. Is great in learning, and he built himself with energy and effort, tremendous yageya in Torah, a toiler in Torah. So when I learned with him night seder, he would take off his shirt. He was sweating, he was, he was schwitzing. He would learn without his shirt. He had his undershirt and his sits. My wife was always like, like surprised. But he was a Reb Nachum type He was pounding in Torah. He needed Pasha to be comfortable. He had his undershirt and his sitzes. He was just sweating. That's how he learned. So a chassid the Shigai asked Reb Nachum. He said, I'm much lower than you. 
I learned Tyre, you never catch me without my hat and jacket, and you learn Tyre. So Rabbi Nachum said, you don't understand. He said, for you, Tyre is a religious action. It's a religious action for you, Tyre. So Tyre, for you, you get dressed up for Tyre. It's a very religious action. And like, like, it's like by prayer, I'm talking to God. Now I'm learning. It's like separate from life. He said, for me, Tyre is life. I don't dress up for life. I don't dress up for my shower. I'm taking a shower. I don't dress up to breathe. I'm breathing, but I'm living. You don't dress up to live. It's my life. Now, I love that what Rav Nachum said to him. I want to say something about why in the Gemara, maybe Ruven Yoyin is right. I want to say something different. This question, Rabbi Isai, a beautiful question. Rav Shirin Yechai for 12 years is sitting in a cave. When he learned, he sat in sand. When he davened, he got dressed for davening. Why didn't he get dressed for learning? And I want to say to the Chevra as follows. When you're learning, you're Lufnei Hashem also. The Messiah Sisharim says, Torah and Mitzvah is Bechina Lufnei Hashem. So dress up for Torah. So I want to say, the fa- Noyam, I want to tell you my theory. A good kasha. Why don't we dress up for Torah? We come for davening. By the way, there's an, there's an Indian. He kun likras aloikecha Yisrael. Prepare. You're supposed to have a special garment for prayer. Why don't we have a special garment for Torah? When you pray, and both of them, you talk, you're dealing with Hashem. Prayer, you're talking to God. Torah, he's talking to you. They're both in discussion with Hashem. Imagine you're having a conversation. I'm talking to Nayam. So I want to dr- tuck in. When I speak to you, I tuck in. When you speak, I tuck out. When I speak, I tuck in. What are you doing? We're in the same conversation. If you respect me, Tfilo, we talk to God. Torah, God talks to us. If we dress up for prayer, we should dress up for Torah. Yet Torah, we learn. I never saw a guy here put on his hachsidim do dress up for Torah. But the Litvish don't have such a Messiah. Why not? So I want to ask, it, it brings it out in the story of Shiva Yechai that when they learned, they sat in the sand to make sure it should be covered. They weren't undressed, they were in sand. But when they daven, they put on the clothing. What I want to suggest, Trevor, what I want to suggest, Maishla, tell me what you think. I don't know the answer. I think it's fast, but I want to suggest, Maishla, as follows. This is what I want to suggest to everybody here. There's a bomb cash on Shavuos. The Chag of Shavuos with 31 days of the Omer. We're getting really close. We're two and a half weeks from the beautiful Chag of Shavuos. We'll have together in Yeshiva. It's from a Shabbos. It's going to be the third to last Shabbos in Yeshiva. And then right into Shavuos is Maitzei Shabbos, sun, Sunday and Monday, Shavuos. So we'll have a three day of, 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 of Isser Malacha. From a Shabbos to a Shavuos is, is magnificent, is wonderful. I don't like people say a three-day yantav. It's not exact. It's two-day yantav and one-day Shabbos. But they mean we're going to go from Shabbos to Shavuos. Direct, beautiful, awesome. Tremendous way to go into a Shavuos. So I want to say, Hevra, I want to say like this. There's a bomb cash on the Chag Shavuos. Any thinker... Do you know when the Torah never once says Shavuos is the day of Kabbalah Satira? It never identifies Shavuos. It's the day of the calendar. It's the day we got our national treasure, Hashem's Torah. Our Torah. The day we got the treasure. 
that we know how to serve Hashem, meaning, purpose, direction. We have the treasure, Hashem's Torah, the guide, that which elevates us. The day we received our national treasure, never once in the Torah that identifies Shavuos. It talks about Shavuos as like a farmer's day. We harvested all the grains. It never identifies in the Torah, Chag Shavuos, the day of Kabbalah Satira. This kasha, I literally say in Judaism, if we have 10 of the strongest kashas in Yiddishkeit, this one is in there, hands down, hands down. Top 10 questions in Judaism. In the entire Torah, it never calls Shavuos the day we received the Torah. It's wild, it's wild. If this kasha doesn't bother somebody, I, I don't want to tell you, I want you not to sleep tonight or tomorrow night. Like, hello. The Torah, the precious day on our calendar. The day we received the Torah. The national treasure. That which separates us. That which everything we build our lives. Everything we do is, is based on Torah. It guides us. How I behave. How I am me. How you are you. Torah. It never once called Shavuos, the day of Kabbalah Satira. It's, it's mind-blowing. It, refused, it refers to Shavuos, an agricultural day, a day we harvest. Chag cuts here. It's mind-blowing. Huri, this kasha, there's something so profound here, like something, it needs, it demands a real teretz. There's something I should... Hello, it's like, it's the great secret. You'd have a call. The day we receive our national treasures, mayor, does this bother you? It's, it's wild. It's vild. Shemi, it's, a, it's an oddity. It's like an omission in the Torah, Yaakov. The very Torah doesn't announce itself. Shvois is never once called the day of Kabbalah Satira. It demands a terror. It's like, it's strange. The very day of Shavuos is an amazingly quiet day. Sukkot and Shavuos, there are three Chagim in the Torah. Pesach, Shavuos, Sukkot. Pesach's loud. Sukkot is loud. Shavuos is very short, brief. It's one day in Eretz Yisrael, two days in Chutzlerts. No mitzvahs, Nayam. Awfully quiet day. We have a minute, we stay up all night, a gorgeous minute, we'll have in yeshiva, it would be a grand night of Limerat Torah, celebration. I don't want to say just learning Torah, it's going to be a celebration of Torah. Celebration of our national treasure. <coughs> that which separates us, that's our great gift of our life, Torah. And we'll celebrate it, but the tyrant never... Does that bother you, Eitan? The tyrant never... Call, it's like wild. Maish. Welcome home, Maish Junior. We needed you here. Chaim, <laughs> is, is the question a legit question? Hashem wrote this tyrant. You would suspect the day of the tyrant that defines our life as Yidden. We're called the people of the book. Our, our connection to Torah defines our life as a, as a people. And the Torah itself never calls Shavuos the day we got the Torah. <laughs> Shims, troubling a little bit? Luzi, it's... Menach, what do you hold, coach? What a job you did. What a job. The whole season. Thank you,
I wanna, I wanna pause. I'm, I'm not pausing. I'm, I'm not pausing by accident. I, I don't want to just give you answers. I want, I want guys to be troubled. Guys are walking out like, like freaking out. I, I don't want to just say the ten. The territory is not. If you're not bothered, I don't have a terrorist for you. So, you know, I have nothing to tell you. If you're bothered, if if you take Torah seriously, the day the Torah was given, it's our treasure. It's our treasure. I had over for Shabbos, Eliyahu Mendel, for Shabbos, one of the greats, one of the Waterbury greats, Talmud Chacham, a brilliant Midas, one of the Waterbury greats in our history. And I had him for Shabbos, this question was like blowing his mind. He was like, like what, what does that mean? Like, he was like, he was, he was stressing over this. He has beautiful thoughts on this kasha. I, I'm, not, I'm not giving an answer. I'm not like saying something cute. It's weird that it's like the treasure. This is this is our. This it's the most important day of the year. The type. It's like it's embarrassing. I literally would describe a husband and wife. The wife. Do you know what today is? It's their anniversary, and he's like, it's it's garbage day. It's like in Blue Ridge Mondays, you bring out the guards garbage day. She's walking out on you on the day of the anniversary is garbage day. We called the Torah calls the day we received the Torah. It calls it the day of harvest. Are you out of your mind? <laughs> Harvesting is wonderful. I mean, we get crops. Yep, it's del- it's delightful to harvest the crops. I promise. <laughs> it, it, you're adding. Uh, by the way, garbage day is very important. They would totally overflow. Would smell. It's it's not it. It wouldn't be pretty if the garbages didn't pick up Monday morning, I promise. It's really important. But if your wife on the Monday morning of your anniversary, you know what today is, and you tell her it's garbage pickup day, <laughs> it ain't funny what, what would happen. It, 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 you're just clueless. You're clueless. It's garbage pickup day. It's, it's, and it's very important that it's garbage pickup day. It's very. And it would be very not manageable if they didn't pick up the garbage. And I was in Eretz Yisrael when there was a shvisa, there was a strike, and the garbage is the garbage company. In Eretz Yisrael, if people want a day off, you go on strike, they don't have the same rules governing, and the garbage was piling up, it wasn't pretty. So I promise, it's, I, I don't take it for granted, when I see the garbage men, I thank them, it's a big deal, it's a very, very big deal that they pick up the garbages on Monday morning, very but it still doesn't compare that there might be a bigger thing going on today. And that the Torah doesn't acknowledge Shavuos as the Yom of Matan Torah is frustrating. Now I want to pause and speak about Menachem Bru, and I'm pausing because I want the question to hang in the air. Because I don't want to just press play and say, and the answer is, I don't know the answer, I'm just bothered. You want some thoughts, I'll share a thought, I don't know the answer. The mayor, what I want to say about Menachem Braun is that Coach Menachem, I like when somebody works honestly. I like the word Erlichkeit's a big word by me. Sincerity, authenticity. Somebody does a job fully with this and gets it, gets it. Look, I appreciate that. A job well done. A job that's, that a person does thoughtfully and through and through and with sensitivity, the way Menachem coached the season, the entire season, all, I want to say two aspects, two aspects that blew me away. First of all, the hard work. You can cut corners and anybody can pretend and do a job half-baked. Here he took something on. 
he took it extremely serious every game, prepared, made sure to get there, made sure all the details, the way there was Erlich, he committed to something and did it through and through for a season and took it incredibly serious and put a lot into it. That's one point. And the second point is the sensitivity. As a coach, you're taking out players, not playing players. And the way he was sensitive and cared in every game about each guy and understood this guy's not playing. He gathered the team. They had a consolation game on Sunday. And he, this was so, but it wasn't just an aberration. He explained to the starters that you're clueless if you make a joke of this game. The backups are going to play most of the game. If you don't share and take it seriously, you're clueless. They, the whole season, shared for you and took your game seriously. If you just make a mockery and don't take it, and the way he was like so sensitive and understood each guy, at times he had to take one guy out, switch, who's starting, and the way he felt bad and felt each guy's feeling, the sensitivity, and the way he led a group of people with sensitivity, with like deep understanding of situations. Often in life, if you're on a team, there are 15 stories going on. I promise it's 15 different seasons for 15 different guys. Depending how much you're playing, depending, you, you can win. And for one guy, it was embarrassing. The way he was sensitive to everybody's story and understanding of it and their worth moved me a lot. So I want to thank Menachem for something that was inspiring and impressive. The mark, the mark of a successful person. The mark of a successful person. Both aspects. I want to say both aspects. I want to produce people in yeshiva that when they work, they're erluch, they do a job. I don't care what a guy's doing. You're selling ice cream, then you better sell it well. The mark of a guy here is sincerity, authenticity, honesty. I committed to this. You will get a good work from me. It bothers me when people cut corners and are not honest and responsible to something they committed to do. That part is awesome, and it bothers me when people have no, are clueless to how others are feeling. And his sensitivity when he understood. It was a big game, the guys lost, he was with them in that. We want the sensitivity, it's not just my experience, there are other people having an experience. Both aspects blew me away. I'm just moved. Anybody who thinks, ah, it's just basketball, it wasn't just basketball this season. It was people's growing and lives and the way the, I'm proud of the whole team. The way the guys came together, I'm extremely proud. There were tremendous games, tremendous entertainment, but the most important thing, every single guy grew and developed through the experience, in the experience. So I really, today I'm talking about Menachem, Coach Menachem, bless your soul. Thank you for everything you did. Thanks a million. We have, we, have, we have two bomb caches, Hevro. We have two, we have two bomb caches on the table right now. We have cache number one. Is they're sitting in the cave for years. By davening, they get dressed for, the, for davening. Tyra, they sit in the sand. What's the reason? We have Ruven Yainis Teretz. They're davening, you have to stand. Tyra, you don't. That alone, I would ask. Just stand by Torah. You're talking to God. Davening, you talk to him. Torah talks to you. So I don't know if Vinyana's answer answers it. I would ask, why is that? Why by Tzil do you have to stand and not by Torah? 
So we have the question, why didn't they dress up for Torah? They dressed up for prayer, question one. Question two, the day of Kabbalah Satorah, in the Torah, and it's not spoken about in the Torah as the day of Kabbalah Satorah. What I would like to suggest to the Hevra is something that we speak about a lot. Torah connects to all the aspects of our life. Torah deals and speaks to our worries. It is not separate from life and can never be separated from life. Towards that, we have no day the Torah openly says, today is Torah's day. It doesn't get relegated to a place. It doesn't get relegated to a day. The Torah doesn't separate one day. This is the day of Torah. Torah is supposed to connect and be part and guide and instruct every breath of life, every aspect. There's no day that the Torah like puts, this is Torah day. The Torah connects and is part of life. The reason you don't get dressed for Torah is like, okay, now let me pause, let me... Torah's in the gym. Torah's in the dining room. Torah goes with. Torah travels and guides. It speaks to every part of my life and your life. You can't dress up for this experience. You can't separate it. You can't relegate it to one place, the Torah. The Torah comes with. If you would dress up, you're like, say, okay, I have my, I have my Torah clothing. And then, the, and then you take off your jacket and you come. The base medrash is the same clothing you wear in the gym. The base medrash is the same clothing you wear in the dining room. It's dangerous when you separate Torahs and then I go back to, to, to my family life. It would be dangerous. Picture a guy who's dealing with his wife and children. And then he would wear garments to learn Torah. Then he would take off the garment and go back to... No, 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 no. You're wearing the same clothing that you are when you talk to... Bring it with. It connects to every aspect of your life. It guides and instructs and trains in every aspect. So it doesn't have special clothing while I learn. I pray for the other aspects of my life, for sure. But the Torah guides and directs. Yaakov, that's what I suspect. I want to talk more about this. I have a meeting, Beis Hashem, for the benefit of the yeshiva that I'm going together with Ray Brownstein. So I have to stop 15 minutes ago. Beis Hashem, the Chevra will have Mencha now, and then we'll have second Seder. We're going to continue tomorrow the story of Shem Bar Yochai.